Oh, dear listener, you have no idea at times what it's like behind the scenes of a, a radio station, what it's like behind the scenes of 3CR. Let me tell you, sometimes it can be mayhem and sometimes it can be marvellous. And today is a marvellous day. It's a marvellous morning in Melbourne. It's time for Left After After Breakfast. <laughs> Susanna, Susanna Duffy here with you again and joined by Glenn, co-host from CoHealth. Glenn, our resident historian, his and her historian, our historian. Good morning. Good morning, Susanna. And of course, good day to the listener. I've got a story today and some announcements. Three announcements. I might do the announcements near the end. And I might go into the story. Tom Hayden died Hang on, you've year. got an announcement. Plural, times three. <laughs> oh, so I'll try and puzzle this out. Like, no, I was you're giving us a warning. Oh, um, well, I was, I was thinking aloud. Do I, do I do the announcements first or the story first? Which order do I do it today? So, it should be, so he's giving us a warning, listener, of a paid announcement. No, God, no. no good Lord, no. My name's Glenn, not, not, you know what I mean? I'm not sponsored by tobacco or, you know, or alcohol or car racing or petrol corporations. Or by anything. I'm sponsored by the listener, who are our, our listener sponsors, as we are the Vox Populi of Melbourne Radio, the voice of the people. Another bloke who died recently, who was the voice of the people in many ways, was a chap in America called, called, called Tom Hayden. Yes, I remember Tom he Hayden. Died, he died recently at age 76. And um, he was um, he first came to prominence in the early 60s. Yes. He was very active in a group called the Students for Democratic Society. Yes, yes. But yes, remember them? I know you wouldn't. I, I don't. Do. But I, when I did my masters, I read a lot of their material, more savvy Australian version, like like Harry Van Morse at Melbourne University. Um, who was a Laver in Brisbane? Who was the tennis player's cousin? Was it Ian Laver? So there's strange chapters of students of democratic society. But Tom Hayden was one of the founders, and he um he was a key player in a lot of radical politics in the mid and late sixties and the early nineteen seventies. And he um he was a civil rights worker. He um. He was a student activist. He was um, a defendant in the Chicago Seven Trials. He um, he wrote what became called the Port Huron Statement in 1962. And the Port Huron Statement was the beginning of the uh, what was called the American New Left. And it was different from the old left, the old Communist Party. It was like um, a bit of an amorphous non-class left. It was um, it's a peaceful crusade to get rid of repressive government corporate greed and racism, and wanted a multiracial, egalitarian society. Hasn't worked, has it, in America? Yes, yes, <laughs> they wanted... I know, they had... They had so good was, ideas. Yes, but think of the time, that was the... Well, there was... They were hippie dreams, Well, they were... Them. Well, they predated the hippies originally. They became I know, hippies. I know, 62 I know. was the Port Huron Statement. It was a break from the 50s. Look, the 50s was a it horrible was a, decade... Yes, it was. ...for the left in the English-speaking world. It's just thinking of... McCarthyism, Menzies. myself at that time and people like Tom Hayden and all these images and hopes and this vision we had of the future and this lovely, happy, multicultural, peaceful, loving, yeah. non-war-like, equal. It will happen. Truly equal future. I don't know. What did Joe and Lies say Everything about, just went. There's a wonderful quote of Joe and Lies. And I asked Joe and Lies, what did you think of the French Revolution? And he said, it's too early to tell. And that was like 180 years after the revolution. Things, things move slowly, my dear, you know, but the future's ours. I mean, Tom Hayden was active in the 60s. He, um, he backed militant demonstrations, occupations by students, burning draft cards. He organised big protests. We know in 1974, in the end stage of the Vietnam War, him and his wife-to-be, Jane Fonda, went across to Vietnam and made a film in Vietnam called... Um, Introduction to the Enemy. And they were pilloried back home as communists. Hayden and Fonda, these two horrible reds, you know. But they, they were supportive of the Vietnamese people against US imperialism and its lackeys in Australia, New Zealand, South Korea. And um, his politics changed after the war. But like, um, I think of Jim Bacon here in Australia, who was a very active member of the Labor Club and became a BLF official and became the Premier of Tasmania. Tom Hayden became a very active person in the Democrats. He um, he ran for the Senate for the Democrats. He did a lot of work in California. He worked on solar energy and rent control. And we're talking, he was working on solar energy in 1982. 
Where is Australian 2016 on solar energy? Here's a bloke 35 years prior, prior pushing these new technologies. And Australia, so far, we still haven't caught up to 82 California. He, um, he was a, a member of the Legislative Assembly in California for a decade. He was a senator. He sponsored bills on the environment, education, public safety and civil rights. He ran for Mayor LA. He ran for LA twice and uh, was unlucky not to be elected. But he spent time in the California Assembly. And um, yeah, he was um, an interesting man. He's, he'd gone from a student activist to a more, more respectable, more responsible democratic politician. Yes. I'm just looking for you for some support. He, um, he, I was just sitting there dreaming, thinking of those times. Those times, the 60s. Oh, well. The swing in the 60s. Look, he was born well before the 60s. He was born in Raw Lake, Michigan, on December 11, 1939. His parents were John Hayden, an accountant, and his mother, Genevieve Garrity. And his parents divorced when he was young. And his mother, who was a, a librarian, raised him. He became active at high school in the Dondero High School in Royal Oak. He edited a student paper. And he, um, he became concerned by the, uh, just the, the anti-communist film in America in the 50s, the, the stifling of dissent, the stifling of independent thought processes, the way that America was becoming very, uh, very narrow-minded. The stifling of, of dissent. Yeah. The stifling of voices. Yeah. Like yes, in Australia. And aren't we lucky we're sitting here in the, in the studios of Radio 3CR? Well, our voice wasn't stifled. Our descent is still here. And that it's only still here as long to, as we fight for it. That people came together to get this radio station going. That's right. In the, in the early 70s, yeah. getting to, talking about getting this station going and pledging to get this station going as an antidote to the absolutely anti-worker bias on the radio. The terrible, terrible... Um, Oh, the awful white male middle-aged well, misogynist. When well, I was young, was media it, was it all to be Wilkins? Was he one of those voices nearly? When I was, I'm those voices on early seventies on the radio. We're gonna make a long time. Three CR. Well, people like Tom Hayden would have inspired Three CR because people yes. in Melbourne who worked towards Three CR, many were maybe M- members of the SDS or ex-members of SDS, and it's part of a whole new left. He wanted to change things, you know, a long journey to change things, you know, to bring about equality, to get rid of racial discrimination, to challenge corporate and in corrupt governance structures. Oh, we've got sigh and double sigh and double, double, double sigh, listener. We're talking about, you know, only 10 minutes in, 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 into the program I've gone up and thinking, my God, what have we done in all this time? Anyway. What has my generation done? Anyway. After, Nothing. After Don Dera High School in Royal Lake, Michigan, Tom Hayden went to university at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. And he became involved in the mum. There were sit-ins by black students at the time. Because as you know, America was very... <laughs> America had those racially segregated bus shelters, bus stops, buses, cafeterias, diners. And the Afro-American students said, no, hang on, hang on. We pay us some money for food. We're sitting with the white students. And Hayden supported by sit-ins. And these were, these were big steps in America. These were huge challenges to be the white, you know, supremacist mm. interpretation. He joined Dr. King in California in the summer of 1960. He took part in voter registrations in the South. And those voter registrations and that civil rights movement in the early 60s inspired similar events in Australia, like Charles Perkins and the Freedom Riders in Moorer and Dubbo, New South Wales. Because in America, Afro-Americans couldn't vote. <laughs> in Australia, they didn't exist. Indigenous Australians, they went on the, on the census, let alone have the right to vote. So the inspirations went across the oceans of Australia. And in 1960, he helped form a group called the Students for Democratic Society at Ann Arbor. He edited the campus paper, the Michigan Daily. He got his BA in sociology at Michigan and graduated there. He married Sandra Casson, a civil rights worker. And he met Jane Fonda many years later, and him and Jane Fonda became married in 1973. They had a son, Troy Garrity, and uh, they were together for almost 20 years, Hayden and Fonda. Anyway, he, um, getting back to prior to marriage, Hayden joined the Freedom Riders on the bus in the South. They challenged the... Because in America... The Supreme Court had ruled you cannot segregate on public buses. You can't say whites front and blacks back. And in the South, they hadn't kept the law said. <laughs> it's how we do things. Yeah, the law said we can't do it. We are going to do it. And Hayden said no. So with many other like-minded people, he took part in his freedom rides. And um, he was jailed 
And he actually, in jail, wrote the first draft of the SDS Manifesto. And he um, helped set up the SDS at their first convention in Port Huron, Michigan in 1962. SDS did not have specific programs, but attacked the arms race, racial discrimination, bureaucracy, poverty, and a call for participatory democracy, and solidly based on fraternity and honesty. Yes, oh, yes my dear. the aims are very good. I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm still laughing at him holed up in his prison cell, churning out the manifesto. Oh, what a vision. What a vision, listener. But they had visions. But think of it. But could it have been you? Could it have been you? But think how many of them sitting in their prison cells, champing out the, the you know the writing. Oh, oh, that could have been me. That could have, but it wasn't. There was a vision of a better world. Tom Hayden and others held. So even was incarcerated, he wanted to pose racism, inequality, corruption. So he did with the Port Huron statement in jail. He came out of jail with SDS getting bigger and bigger. Um, Hayden made a few trips to Vietnam, the first one in 1965, and um, he was there illegally, but the State Department allowed it to happen. He wasn't jailed, and uh, Hayden went to Hanoi, he met North Vietnamese, he wrote a book called The uh, Other Side. He spent time travelling North Vietnam, and uh, actually at one stage he met leaders of the Viet Minh who agreed to release some captured American prisoners as a gesture of solidarity for the American peace movement. And um, Hayden met his PRWs at a rendezvous in Cambridgeshire and escorted him home to America. So here he was, not just talking about doing stuff, actually doing stuff practically, liberating his fellow countrymen from this unjust war that had been involved in. He uh, involved himself in anti-poverty work. Uh, there was an anti-poverty project in Newark from 1964 to 67. He spent time working there. He wrote on the period. And 1968 was a very tumultuous year around the world. It was a big year. I started primary school. My first year it primary school in 1968. I can tell you it was a very big year. Oh, it was a big year. Um, <laughs> there was big, big demos year. in Chicago as of a Democratic National Convention. And the police attacked the demonstrators. And there was hundreds injured. And there was a police riot. But what did the police officials do? They didn't charge the police. They charged Mr. Hayden and others with inciting a riot and conspiracy. And the Chicago 7 trial became a famous court case. All seven defendants were acquitted of conspiracy. But Hayden, Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin, David Ellinger and Randy Davis were convicted of inciting a riot and sent five years to jail. Wow, the verdict was overturned. The five-year sentence was declared null and void. And as well as that, the Chicago 7, well, it was a Chicago 7 trial. Originally, it was a Chicago 8, because the Black Panther leader, Bobby Searle, was part of the 8. And Bobby Searle, um, he didn't like the court situation. He called Judge mm. Hoffman a pig and a fascist. So what did Judge Hoffman do? He bound and gagged Searle in his chair. So around America, images of an Afro-American man bound and gagged in a chair. So the Chicago 8 became a Chicago 7, and Bobby Searle had a, his own issue happening here. And this, um, he was jailed for four years, but it was released also. But just for jailing of a man in a court, a man in a courtroom being locked, gagged and bound to his chair, like, you know. We look at horror in Darwin for young men being jailed and bagged and gowned. But here's America 50 years ago, in a courtroom, someone being tied up and bag- gagged. What does it say about the land of the free and the brave, my dear? I was just remembering that photo in the paper, yes. But go on. So the Chicago 8 became the Chicago 7 plus Bobby Searle separately. And they're all jailed, they're all incarcerated, but all released prior to serving a sentence. As they challenged the system. And as a, as a great leader at the same time said, dare to struggle, dare to win. And they dared to struggle. And they won. They won gains. They won reforms. They won changes, you know. Uh, we know that uh, Hayden married Jane Fonda. They lived in Santa Monica, near the ocean, we did our own shopping and laundry, like meals in a tiny kitchen, and they raised their children. This is in the I'm, I'm running ad for my dear. I don't want to care where, where they ate their bloody dinner. <laughs> I did it in the kitchen, anyway. Um, now, he became, he, Mr. Hayden, Tom Hayden became linked to Jerry Brown's government in California. Jerry Brown, who was um, married to Linda Ronstadt for a period of time. And as I said, in the late 70s, early 80s, California encouraged solar power, which Australia still can't get right 35, 40 years later. And Hayden played a key role this time. We know Hayden ran for Democratic governor. He lost. He ran a few times and lost for positions he wanted. He um, directed the Peace and Justice Research Center in Culver City, California. He taught in colleges and at Harvard. 
He wrote more than 20 books, including his memoirs, looking at civil rights movement, anti-war movements, Vietnam War, the environment. He, um, his personal papers, 120 boxes covering his life, was given in 2014 to the University of Michigan. In these files, there was twenty. Sorry, in these files, there was twenty-two thousand pages of FBI files on Mr. Hayden. Twenty-two thousand pages the FBI had kept on Tom Hayden. Well, all right. And to quote Jade Hoover, one of your prime objectives, she would neutralise Tom Hayden in the New Left movement. He was targeted by by Hoover in the sixties, and that was Tom Hayden who died recently. He was a yeah a figure, a leading figure in the American New Left of the sixties. And um, valet Tom Hayden, he's a man who did a lot of good things, and um, you know, I'd be respectful of that. Yes, yes, indeed. Hmm. So that's my story. There's, there's announcements to follow. Would you like to have a spiel first, or shall I do announcements first, my dear? We're, it's only very early. It's nine seventeen. But time's up our sleeves. Well, not really. Okay, but go on. If you have an announcement, okay. Let's well, hear what this thing yeah. you've been dangling in front of us all morning. Oh, <laughs> I'd be crude. I'd be worried about if I was you. Now tonight, not tonight. Tomorrow, maybe not tomorrow, but Sunday and Monday. There's a community history walk. John Curtin conscription. Featuring the Brunswick houses where John Curtin lived. St Ambrose Hall where Curtin walked as anti-conscription organiser. Professor Mocklehamel Green's leading the walks. There's one Sunday starting at 2pm. Monday starting at 10am. You meet at St Ambrose Hall, 3 Dawson Street, Brunswick. Come along. If you'd like more information, you can RSVP, anti-conscription, 1916, at gmail.com. Can I have a look at that thing? You have it, my dear. So I can see what it actually is, what he's mm. talking about, listener. Oh, it's a community history walk. Yes, it's so it's a walk. Well, didn't make it very clear. <laughs> I tried to be audible. You were audible. I was talking of clarity. clarity. Not to matter. Well, I didn't pick up what it was. <laughs> this is me. All right, calm yourself down. I have a medicine. I'm fine. So it's a history walk, listener. Yes, but you know, where you wander along, yeah, when you um. Wander along and walk along the streets and things, and someone tells you all the history of the places there. Glenn does it all up in Cali country, but this is in Brunswick. You get to stroll around Brunswick Street. No, you don't. You get Brunswick through, houses. Brunswick where, streets. Right. Did I say You stroll around Brunswick streets. Hmm. And John Curden became. No the, cup of cup. There's no cup of tea in a bun. Not that I'm aware of. No. You can you can well you can email the Gmail address I gave you conscription nine and sixteen at gmail dot com and say look you know I'd like to come but I'm gluten free I have a gluten free bun and a gluten free cup of tea. So it starts. So it's this Sunday and Monday, Sunday Arvo and Monday morning for those who have time up this list. But it's interesting we had a we had a great talk last Friday. Michael Hamill Green spoke at the Brunswick Library, and um, yeah, Michael raised points I've forgotten, and also points that I wasn't aware of. And um, yeah, we did vote no twice to conscript our men to go overseas, but while they were being conscripted, they were being put in camps in Australia, and there was like seventy thousand conscripts on Australian soil, which I'd forgotten about. And oh, hang on, I've forgotten these things. Forgotten. And what also is good to mention also, people say, well, you know, why was there a plebiscite? Why didn't the government pass a bill? Well, the Labor Party was splitting, hadn't totally split. And in the Senate, those politicians opposed conscription. So Hughes' bill would not got it through Parliament. It was either conscript stuff. And when you look at the, the forces, the forces pro-conscription, every state government bar one, the federal government, the federal opposition, the churches all bar Melbourne's Catholic Church, the newspapers everywhere, everyone supported conscription, except for a group who said no. And this small group won the support of the majority of Australians to vote no. Not just once, but twice. We'll talk more about non inseminating next year. But um, yeah, if it's a walk this weekend, it's uh, Sunday, Monday. So do yourself a favour if you can. Get across to Brunswick and have a look around. Could I just ask this something? Why would you want to walk around Brunswick looking at some old houses where someone... Lived once. So you can learn. You learn learn what? Learn about their history, what they did, what they achieved. Talk to other single, other similar-minded people. But Share information. Oh. It's really, really. It just seems a bit to be hot, doesn't it? Listener wandering around people's back lines. Well, saying, you know, in 1824, this used to be a pig trough. Well, it wasn't because uh, the white fella wasn't here in 1824. He came later on. Also tomorrow... 
a big congratulations to Lorna and Nate for the uh, his big wedding tomorrow afternoon. So I'll have to be there and do the right thing. So all the best to Nathan and Lorna and happy future for them. Yes, indeed. And also, there's a event on Wednesday. If you're around Whittlesea area, there's a bush poetry workshop by Michelle Halliwell. This is at Whittlesea Library from 1pm to 2.30pm next Wednesday. It's part of the Ward Weavers Group. That's um, your end of town, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And if you'd like more information about the Ward Weavers Bush Property Workshop, you could phone Cor- Coralie on 9716-3028. So there's some announcements, my dear. And it's eight minutes to go before the... So they were your uh, announcements? They were weddings, bush poetry and community history walks. No lost dog? Not for I know of, no. No lost cat also. Lazy cat, maybe. Lost cat, no. Cats don't get lost. Dogs get lost. They do get lost. But dogs are... But cats no, and, dogs get lost. Cats go. But they're, they're, they're so different, cats and dogs. They're so different types of animals. Well, of course. They're like giraffes and bloody elephants. They are. We've got yes. four legs. That's where it starts and ends. But they're very different things. They're both mammals. And that reminds me. Tell me. I wanted to tell you about the legs. What you said about legs reminded me. I've taken up... This new sport, Have you listener. Mm. Please And help. it's not kickboxing. It's kickboarding. I've turned into a, a maddened kickboarder. I kickboarded every opportunity. Do you know what I'm talking about, Glenn? I think it's, it's other things that little kids have in the pools that I yes, paddle along. It's the things that little, really little kitties yeah. have in the pool and they hold on to them yeah, with their hands and they paddle along behind. Well, that's me. <laughs> the granddad had one of those a few years ago. It's three well, back, that's yes. what I'm on. And I can, I, I can remember the first one I had, listener, oh, many years ago, and I remember the wonderful feeling of liberation it gave oh, me. It's like, it's, get on that little paddle board. But now I'm back on it for the second time, time in my life. I'm back on the little kickboarder. And gee whiz, I'm good. I'm going to set up a club. Is it doing you good? For kickboarder. Well, I don't know. I hope so. I'm just being I mean, It's the water. I feel terrific after being in the water. It's really, um, yes, it's very good. Now, I surmise you're not doing it in Mary Creek. Which pool are you utilising? Well, I could use any of the pools in the city of Yarra, but you it's easy preference? for me to go to what used to be the Collingwood Pool, that oh, yes, is now no longer the Collingwood Pool. It's Clifton Hill Leisure Centre? It's Center? the Clifton Hill Leisure Centre. That's a modern euphemism, isn't it? Leisure Centre. Yeah, leisure, I'll say <laughs> it's just <laughs> a modern concept. Uh, well, it's, it's a pool to me. But it's That's a lovely a pool, pool and, I, and I have a little lane... For aqua play. Duffy line. Yeah, and I just do that. So, But I'm going to start a club, listener. So anyone else out there who's just discovered the joys of kickboarding and the fact that you, that you can still almost do it. Well, I say go for it. Mm, so, that and good I'll, to me. I'll set up a team. We can have, yeah, we'll be mm. the champions. Okay. Well, no, it's a part. You, look, they're introducing... Um, at the Olympics now, there's the, um, the, the BMX motocross. I think they're bringing in abseiling next Olympics. So who's saying 2024 they won't have kickboarding? Yes, kickboarding. Every Olympics has new pastimes. And it's a rugby sevens, BMX motocross, next one's abseiling. Let's bring along the events, like you're saying, kickboarding in 2024 for the Olympics. Well, we'll be the Collingwood kickboarders. Sounds good to me. Or oh, probably no. That sounds a bit rough. I think I think I should call it the kickboarders of Collingwood. The city of Yarra kickboarders? No, the no the kickboarders of Collingwood. Okay, well I sounds more give middle it a bill, class. Oh, doesn't it? Very yes. more genteel. Well, it's true. The kickboarders at Collingwood at the leisure centre. <coughs> the leisure centre is the place to go. <coughs> speaking of, speaking of going, I see I see how Bob Day bloke's gone. He was, oh. he was a horrible type. He was, he, was, he was a dreadful one. He was. Yes, well, we'll see what's going to go on about that. Well, we live in interesting times. We see the, the Senate's become... Um, <laughs> just, look, I preferred the old Senate. I preferred people like Mew and Madigan to the current batch. But, um, yes, there's, um, there's just such a such a sort of flux in the Senate and um, these bills are getting blocked and stuff. And, um, yeah, I'll be curious how long the Prime Minister remains Prime Minister. There's all these fluctuations and tremors and shakes and changes. So all part of today's work. Or part of a, the, or whatever. the political cycle. <laughs> well, so we had some change. Now, the listener is going to get on the on the blower and explain this to me so I can get it right so in my head at least. It's, we had just recently a shake-up in Senate voting. 
Hmm. They were supposed to make it all so much easier and fairer. And then we had this election and instead of getting rid of all those stupid minor parties, we, we ended up with a lap full of loonies. Well, and one of them got out with 77 votes, 77 bloody votes, and we've got a lunatic. <laughs> There's a few to choose from. Which one? There's a few Damn to choose me. from. I mean, it's not as though in many of us hold the, the Senate in high esteem. What did Paul Cadding call it? Unrepresentative swill? Oh. Not sure if I agree with Paul Cadding there, but um, it's an interesting term to use. But, um, yeah, Senator Day, I was... There's some heavy footage the other day from, from the early 90s for long hair and stuff. He young, really hippie-looking bloke he was. Looks quite different to what he is now, but his politics were always the same. He was always an extreme right-winger. And family... And don't be, we also don't forget, you know, we do forget, people like Bob Day and Paul Hanson were failed Liberal Party candidates. Yes. But like the independents, the Liberal Party... Floats them, jets them. Yeah, but they couldn't get in, so they... The Hanson did get in. Oh, right, well, I'll Hanson got in, yeah, so he was endorsed. Yeah, but then they, they get pissed off with them, so they have to start their own party. Xenophon's the same. Mm, yeah. Xenophon, Day, Hanson, all from the Liberal Party, they're not what you call independent. It's like we had the council elections a few weeks ago, and um, one bloke I saw in the city of Mabalong, whose slogan was, vote for general independent. I thought, hang on, you ran for the Liberal Party in, in July, and you're translating your general independent. I'm Patrice, my dear. Mm. Anyway, I've got a big weekend beckoning. So history walks, there's word webbers, and all the best for Nathan Lawn up at the wedding tomorrow. So, chocula. Indeed, then. Chocula. Good morning. Yes. Everybody, uh, listen up. Uh, community I, radio at its best. <laughs> it was, no, I was just carefully balancing out that fading off the music, bringing you up when I realised Irene was... Saying something. Yep, oh, and well, you looked at me and then I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do. Because you haven't because got your she... headphones on. And Rich hasn't got her headphones on, listener, because we can't afford the bits and pieces of everything <laughs> for everyone in here. Look, look, we, the old, you know, the chewing gum and Band-Aid, yes. we run like that, we run like that, we're pretty good on the rusty bits, well, bits of string, we do it, hmm. pedal radio. Yes. But if you've um, made a pledge during the last radiothon and you haven't, Come up with that pledge yet? Just think of Irene here without headphones. And, so, and I'm still pedalling too, yeah. like crazy. Good morning, listeners. So, Good yeah. morning, Miss Susanna. Good morning, Mr. Bagman. Good to see you, Irene. You must have caught the uh, the right tram this morning. Just, yes. Unlike last week when you went to see that famous play 1916 at the Brunswick <laughs> Mechanics Institute <laughs> and you went quickly past it. Um, yes. You didn't know where Glen, Glen Lyon Road was. Well, Congratulations on getting here today. <laughs> Thank you. I actually did know where it was, but somehow I missed it. Oh, and then well, I keep hoping it was coming up. That makes sense. <laughs> I knew totally where it was, but I just missed it. <laughs> and, yes. and uh, who, who was that bloke, John Hewson, that said, uh, oh, no. uh, we, we won the election, we just didn't get enough didn't votes or something like yeah. that? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, it was like that. Uh, <laughs> he talking about politics. I don't know whether they call it a den of iniquity oh. or a den of thieves. The Senate at oh, the moment. Well, it's... We've, We've got Rod Cullerton. From well, Lane, one... you're talking about my tools of the week now. <laughs> all, right. all right. Okay. Well, well how we'll about get... I name them and then you talk about them because it's... Uh... Hang on. Let's get this up. Make sure we haven't all doubled up, but who knows? This Irene, of course, will have her tool of the week. Two. I've got two. But so there's... Ah, oh, where you could imagine well, what awards we But then the bagman, of course, always has his... Maggot of the month at, at, at this right. time. And of the I've month. got a doozy yeah, this week. Yes. And, and, and I always have the two monthly bastard, the bi monthly bastard. Oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, well. We'll have to look forward to that. bastard. Well, my tools of the week are Mr. Cullerton mm-hmm. and Bob Day. Oh, yes. Ah. How could you miss him? Well, you'd have to throw in Kimberly Kitching also. Oh, no, because, no. you know, uh, Rod Carlton um, is accused of stealing a key. Last That's week, not yes. true. No. Um, he stole a man's means of 
transport. He stole the key out of his car yeah. or out of his truck that had come to um, it repossess. Truck, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah that's come, right. to repossess. come to repossess. Yeah. Uh, Mr. So it's more complicated than that. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. plus he's $6 million in arrears with his company. Now, Bob Day. Um, oh. He should have put family first, but he put himself first. Uh, he donated $2 million to um, yes, family, family first. first. Um, and then we have um, Kimberly Kitchen, who was facing charges um, re- or recommendation for charges before the Royal Commission and uh, before Fair Work Australia uh, for forgery. Now, well, is it a den of iniquity or a den of thieves? Do you think that they think with her that it's not going to go any further? Well, it ought to go further. If it was you and if it was me, oh, I'd be in jail, Susan would be, still be raising the bail money. Simple <laughs> as that. Um, yes. It's the most disgraceful um, well, the thing decision about, ever yeah, made by the Labor Party. It is. But the thing about Bob Day is also in terms of when did the Liberals know that they were paying money... Uh, rent for his uh, office to, uh, first of all, firstly it would have been to his company and then he sold it in 2014, but paid, he sold it to his friend, but paid for it for his friend. Mr. Huckley. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, look, and they so knew, they knew they all the way. They must have known quite some time ago. Yeah. They must have known. Look, they wanted his vote. Yeah. Um, and they would have bent over backwards. Well, I would be thinking they'd told him to sell it yeah, and uh, hoping that that was going to fix it. But well, anyway, you, that'll come out in uh, well, the Well, you'd have to ask what did George Brandis know and, as they say in the classics, when did he know it? Yes. Well, he hasn't got a... <laughs> He hasn't got a uh, Solicitor General to, to refer it <laughs> no, to at the well, moment. He, so. he will have one. He go and get advice, the advice that he wants. You should be the Solicitor General. Um, oh, thank you. Thank Irene. you. Well, Let's see the letter to Mr Brandis saying that, uh, how, how good I'd be at it. <laughs> well, um, all right. Well, and that, that, So that's my tools of the week and you've got right. your maggot of the month. I've got the maggot of the month and the maggot of the month is uh, Mark Latham. Oh, no. That's my, bi- my bi-monthly bastard. Yeah, thank Christ. Oh. This man um, was a handshake away from being the Prime Minister of this country. Yes. Now, the latest uh, Mark, uh, latest uh, rantings from Mark Latham when he got together with his mate Alan Jones um, was that uh, Rosie Batty, who was in charge of the uh, Luke Batty Foundation, has appro- misappropriated money. Now, if there's one woman <laughs> that I admire in this country, besides you two, Oh, and beside my partner, she's listening at home, yes. it's Rosie Batty, who came to the position that she now now holds because of the murder of her son. Yes. You know, you couldn't admire anyone more than no, Rosie Batty. She's an amazing woman. But Mark Latham um, wants to tear her down yes. um, and wants to accuse her of uh, misappropriating money. That That is... That, Look, she, she should. you talk about dogs vomit um, yes. and you talk about maggots. Um, this bloke uh, wins the prize. Well, not only that, he also stirs up other maggots because on my Facebook page then you get these uh, blokes getting on, having a go at her about it. And then having a go at all women because then I had one yesterday, you know, complaining about how women assault men and nothing ever happens about it and a lot of domestic violence is by women (sighs) and how unfair it is and poor men, they have to put up with all of this stuff. (laughs) So they go off on these sort of rants that is just nonsense. This woman, this woman... Came to prominence, and she could she could have gone and hidden away. Yes, as a lot of people just would have. About herself. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, she came to yes. prominence because of the murder yes. by her husband, who had uh, inflicted domestic violence on her. Also, yes, she came to prominence under those circumstances, and she conducted herself 
she covered herself in glory. Yes. You know, mm. She didn't have to do it. No. Most people would have walked away and said, that's enough for me. Yes. Um, but she no, continues on. Mark Latham, yes. you are a maggot. Oh, he's worse than that, actually, but I can't say yeah. the word. This is the same Latham who well, said that. Well, you said the four-letter word last <laughs> week. Didn't stop you then. No, that's true. This is Latham who said at the start of the year that uh, domestic assault is a tool of the feminist left. Yes. And he uh, rallied against the cause of political correctness. Uh, yes. He's been up on a couple of assault charges himself. Remember that? Yes. Uh, yes. Remember the that photographer? Driver. The taxi driver. <laughs> the taxi driver yes. and the, and the uh, photographer um, yes. uh, smashed his uh, camera up, a very yeah. expensive camera, mind you, uh, and then bashed up the, the cab he driver. Broke, broke the and cab he talks about arm. violence. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I mean, he's a joke. But yeah. Well, so is Alan Jones. And he's telling yes. you with Alan Jones. <laughs> yes. This I mean, is Alan Jones. The two of them together. I don't I know. Can imagine. I don't know why Alan Jones was not jailed, was yeah. not apprehended, charged, convicted of God knows what when he said about Julia Gillard. Yes. Yeah. He said this in public, and there he said, that woman's off her tree, and quite frankly, they should shove her and Bob Brown in a chaff bag take him out as far out to sea as possible and tell him to swim home. He should have been banned from that, that radio station for life. They never banned him. No. They it never banned him outrageous. and John Laws. And it's the man who said women yeah. are destroying the joint. But yeah. that's, that's, that's incitement to murder. Yes, it, it is. is. It is. Yes. It um, is. Yeah. And just talking about destroying the joint, uh, just... Uh, um, <clears throat> I, uh, the statistics at the moment in terms of the number of women killed this year is now 63. And uh, I would thank the, um, the good women from Destroy the Joint and Counting Dead Women who compile, uh, keep an eye on this and compile these uh, numbers for us so that we can keep track of how many women have been murdered or killed. I won't say murdered because I don't know whether all of them are murders yet. But uh, some of them haven't been to court, but uh, they have been killed this year. Mm. And the numbers are going up. They never go down. No. Do they? Well, I think it's higher than last year. And, and people have uh, people criticise you for the stance you take. They want to say that, oh, no, men suffer um, uh, domestic violence also. <laughs> yes. um, that's drawing a long, long bow. Yes. Well, it's um, probably just as well I never got married because I probably you would, would have, have killed, killed somebody. <laughs> 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 and then they can complain about domestic violence. Yeah. But hey, <laughs> yeah. Talking about... Domestic violence and terrorists. A Victorian anti-Islam extremist. Who was? Terrorists. No, no. Terrorists. I'm under the next story, folks. <laughs> He's oh, just jumped. Oh, right. Didn't you oh, notice? Oh. He's, a Victorian anti-Islam extremist conducted surveillance of left-wing premises. Oh, yes. Now, oh, we, now. we don't have to guess where one of the left-wing premises exactly. were, yes. where he planned to launch deadly bombing attacks, according to police. Yes. Loss of life to persons possessing left-wing ideology was the focus of the attack yes. when they talk about Philip Galea. Now, Philip yes. Galea uh, is apparently up your way um, in the Thomas Embling Psychiatric Centre. Oh, God, no. Yeah, he's up your yes, way. Yes, he's in your He has to jump the fence and well, he's in your your. It's hard to get out of there. They don't no, have been to jump there. the fence. They, <laughs> they, they, have, they don't have gates They're coming on them. Knock on the door. No, no, no. It's very hard to get out of there. Oh, well, they wander around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've met a few of them. What? On their Sunday walks. Well, they do. Oh, no. yeah, but they, they've been in there a while and treated. Yeah. The ones that are put in there for, and who, because it's, uh, I don't know, for those who don't know what Thomas Emling is, it's the. It's a clink. Well, yes, it is for mentally ill. Uh, you used to call them loonies in the old days, yeah. but weren't allowed to. Yes. Enough. That's fair enough. <laughs> well, mentally ill offenders yeah. Uh, yeah. are put in there because yeah. uh, they need treatment. And, and that includes people who have committed murders and. Hmm. Well, well uh, Philip was, uh, Philip was uh, applying for bail uh, this week, last Monday, and he had a video link with, uh, with the judge and he tried to convince the judge that he was not mentally ill yes. and therefore should not be uh, at the Thomas Embling Centre. Well, mate, you're a racist, you're a terrorist, you are mentally ill. Sorry about that. Well, it's interesting because I was going to put him on my list of 
of um, tools of the week, but oh. it was getting going to get very long because it could have been at least four with Mark Latham yeah. and mm-hmm. Philip Delia plus the other two. I mean, it's all very uh, fascinating at the moment, isn't it? How many? Well, I reckon it should be in Parliament. Picks? Every yeah, other actually, every other whack is there. It's probably the place for him, isn't it? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, hey, send hey. him up to. Uh, he could go to. Um, uh, he'd be good with Paul in Pauline Hanson's. Um, I'd be right at home there. Yeah. Be right at home there. She's gone very quiet, though, hasn't she, since well, Mr Cullerton. Did you see his press conference? Did you see his lunatic press conference? What a whacker. What a drongo. He was absolutely... <laughs> he suggested that if, if he represented himself in the high court, yes. what he would do was go up and uh, shear a sheep, yep. uh, put the fleece over his head yeah. and go and stand there like he was a, um, a senior counsel like yes. yourself. And, and you know that those wigs cost a lot of money. A couple of thousand. A couple of thousand. Yeah, yeah. so, um, yeah, she's gone very quiet. Uh, uh, yes, she has. She hasn't been out talking, uh, uh, defending him at all, has he? But his press conference just showed what an idiot he was. Mm. Uh, he might go up there and say it's the vibe, Your Honour. Yeah, so he's going to go up there and defend himself. Good, because well, then he'll lose. If, he, if his company is $6 million into liquidation, then he oughtn't to be a member of the Senate anyway, like well, Bob Day. Well, it might be if he goes bankru- bankrupt, mm-hmm. then he'll, uh, he'll be gone. Yeah, but you've got to remember, he's only uh, saying he's accused of stealing a key. He yes. didn't. He yes. stole the bloke's means of transport, which was his recovery truck that was coming to uh, repossess uh, a, uh, um, a vehicle owned by Rod Cullerton. Yes. Mm. So what happened his car was going to get repossessed because well, he hadn't yeah. paid. He and stole the keys out of the car. He stole the keys and, out of the truck. And the, the, the truck, he came down to get the car and... He and stole his keys. He jumped out of the... Who stole whose keys? Culleton stole the truck driver's keys. The, Key. Let's get it straight. The truck driver, the recovery vehicle, drove into the, uh, uh, the, um, uh, the wherever yeah. it was and he jumped out of his uh, car to go and talk to Mr Culleton who he said couldn't put two uh, um, uh, reasonable words together. And while he was out of the car, Cullerton jumped in, grabbed the keys, and then wouldn't give them back to him. So that's theft. He was charged with larceny. It doesn't matter what it is, um, <coughs> yeah. how, what, what it's worth. Uh, it's theft, and it stopped the man from doing his yes. job. Yes, he makes it sound like he yeah. only stole a key. And he was rambling on about, oh... Uh, it was silver, but I would have given him a brass one back or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I a actually, I, I was thinking I should read out the in the age yesterday. They had yeah. the seven hilarious things that he said oh, in his yeah. press conference. <laughs> There's <laughs> a lot of them. There were a lot of them, and I thought I won't go through <laughs> the whole lot. But they were the sorts of things he was saying in his press conference yesterday. He's an idiot, and and you know, uh, they just what's happening with these. Don't they check that the people who are running for parliament are, uh, don't have any into difficulties? Well, obviously not. I mean, uh, surely everybody, including Bob Day, knew that his business was going down the drain months and months ago. Yeah, when he, you look at all the houses that have been, people who have been left stranded. Families, hard-working yes. people, um, uh, labourers and whatever, people yes. in the in, – well, he was involved in, the, in uh, the building industry and yeah. he wanted to uh, vote against, uh, vote for the ABCC while he was still a, a player yes. in the building industry. Yes, and also was going broke in the building industry. Yeah. Makes so you wonder, doesn't it? It does make you wonder. You and me would be shiny examples of being bumped into Parliament. Absolutely. We, we would have no past that we Not, would worry no. about. No, no. Well, well, well right. depends on what you're talking about. I got signed in past. this morning, so you better leave leave it to you. You can, <laughs> you can bump, be bumped in. Oh, somebody would rake up something naughty <laughs> about me. I'm sure. <laughs> some sexual. Yeah, some liaison, liaison. I'm alleged to have had with somebody, <clears throat> yeah. or more than one. <laughs> hey, I see that. Remember that company that I mentioned last week, Electoral Australian yes. Electoral Company. Company. AEC, just like Australian yes, Electoral yes, Commission. Yes. Um, they're holding a secret ballot out at um, um, the Austin Hospital at the moment um, to see whether members want to accept um, the pay rise that's been negotiated oh, on yes. their behalf. 
Now, yeah. I've never heard of a, a, a ballot being held by telephone before. But some of, the, some of the details are that the workers will get 5% increase, uh, followed by a 3% increase the year after, 3% increase the year after, and their 3% doesn't even cover the cost of inflation. Nothing. But yeah. there is a sign-on fee. Um, which applies to every person that works in the establishment. Um, the union is going around at the moment saying that the sign-on fee, which is $1,500, um, only applies to union members. Sign-on to what, sorry? Well, What's just, the that's a, a new thing, you sign-on, a new thing that... Uh, um, a sign-on fee. Um, yeah, but for what? To whom? So that you continue employment with the with the what's the name? It's a. It's well, you a new... pay the employer to work for them. No, no, you pay the employee because they've. Oh, they get fifteen hundred. They get fifteen hundred to, to stay on. To stay on. Oh, yeah, and I must try and get a job there. Well, it's a it's a new a thing that's been going on for a number of years now, mm. and uh, it's part of uh, negotiations for wage increases and whatever. But they can't go around saying that. The sign-on fee only applies to union members because no, no, it doesn't no. apply. It applies to every single person well, it's not that's covered by that. the enterprise yeah, bargaining agreement. Yeah, 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 yeah. So stop it. Yeah, stop it. Stop it. There. <laughs> we'll oh, come and get you. Gee, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll you've got to you. you've got to be worried. You do. When the health services union, or they change their name to protect the guilty, to the health workers union, uh, run by uh, um, uh, Diane Esmar. And Kimberley Kitching have covered themselves in glory in the last couple of years. You can tell Mr. Bagman loves them too. Oh. <laughs> he's, well, uh, he's on it on again. He's on it again. Well, <laughs> you know, we, we are 100% 110% union. It runs in my veins. And it yes. really upsets to see, me, uh, to see, to see people them. ripping off. Uh, yeah. Workers in the way that they yeah. do, but and also ripping them off by taking money and putting it in, in destroying the unions too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. destroying by the being union. lazy. Yeah, by yes. being lazy and by playing <coughs> Labor Party politics. Yeah. Uh, down the line, it robs workers of proper wages and conditions. Yes, mind you, they've we've ne- workers have never recovered from the accord. But don't start me on that because I could probably go for a week. Hey, I worked for a union and, and beat the accord, you know. <coughs> One stage. Yeah, and uh, our union beat the accord. I noticed you didn't mention our union the other day. Oh, I we thought were we were the only it. one. Oh, we're playing. He said, she said. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I just want to check something first. What's in that drink you're drinking, Batman? <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, it's he hasn't got a cup of tea this it's morning, red, listeners. It's in a long glass. Yeah. Can I, I ask what it, it's all what right. is? It's 9.52 in the morning. Oh. oh, so the sun is over the yard yeah. arm. <laughs> Somewhere. We have a no, very low yard arm. It's actually black coffee, if you don't mind. Oh, no, yeah. I'm going to do a slight... Oh, it is not. Right. I'm going to do a slight... Jeez. look like something else that I won't mention. Do you want a sip? No, thank no, you. No, thank you. Um, no, I, I do... 7-11 coffee. I do want to say something, though, um, that history really in many ways, and it is the 30th anniversary of the nurses' strike, and so this time 30 years ago they were on strike. They went on strike on the 31st of October, and can I say that really they're ignored in in a lot of ways in terms of the historical strike. Who, nurses? Yes. We love them. Oh, I know. But uh, if you read books, I was reading a book the other day about um, the Accord and and what was happening over a number of years from a uh, a unionist from elsewhere. Uh, no mention whatsoever of the nurses in 1986. Um, mentioned all sorts of other things, and including dollar sweets and and mudge, uh, what was it called, mudge and mudge berry. And berry. No mention of the nurses, and the nurses. Breached the hell out of the accord. Did they? In 1986. Well, of course we did. Well, yes. well, I've read because a lot we of, went. Yeah. Are you saying that? In, are you serious when you say did they? No, I thought. <laughs> that, well, I worked for the food preserve union for a yes. number of years. Yes. And we were on strike for 26 weeks out at Rosella. Yes. Um, and uh, the ACTU and the um, and the employers joined together. 
um, to take us to the Commission to have us deregistered uh, and impose on us a secret ballot because they convinced the Commission that we weren't telling the truth to our members after 26 weeks on strike. So, look, I'll, I'll, I'll stand... Well, I'll stand buggered. I'm going um, to write. If, a, I'm going yeah. to write a book about our strike because right, nobody cool. else has written. Well, there has been somebody else has written her view of it, but I'm going to write a book. And the thing is that a lot, a lot of people probably don't know is that at one point, because we had not only the ACTU against us, we had the Victorian Trades Hall Council against and the us, government, and the government, and uh, we what we won in the end went way outside the accord, and we didn't do it on um, on productivity increases or anything like that. We just did it because we went out on strike. Yeah. And so we breached the accord, and that was why we didn't have the support of so many unions. Most unions didn't support us. There were a handful of notable unions that did support us. We used to come around and feed your picket line you with dim sims. The meat workers, the oh. food preservers, yes, that's why half of them died. <laughs> Food preservers, the meat workers, the uh, in those days, I think I've said this before, BLs, the plumbers, the BLs. Labourers. Yes, well, that yeah. was part of my downfall, yeah. I think, because the support of the BLs. Being involved with the BLF. Well, I managed to get a couple of hundred nurses to march up the street uh, in support of the BLs when they were oh, yes. I remember out the day. front of Parliament. Yeah. Um, I gave one of your picket lines uh, 10,000 dim sims. Believe it or not, frozen in museums, and they wrote to me and had a letter printed in the paper. What to do with ten thousand frozen? <laughs> what did they do with them? Point from one to ten. <laughs> I don't know. They probably threw them um, at coppers on the picket but line. But you know, the the interference from the ACTU was extraordinary, and yeah. I, I was given the word at one point that uh, the ACTU con. Um, Executive was meeting in Hobart uh, at the casino down there, which was relative, hadn't been there for that long, but in 86. And uh, we're going to um, pass a resolution in favour of um, uh, undercutting our claim, and they were going to put in their own claim undercutting ours to the Industrial Relations Commission. So I flew down to see Mr Kelty, and he and I had this meeting. Bill. Yeah, so we had a meeting in his penthouse or whatever he was in. He was in a big room anyway, like his personal where he was staying in the casino. And, well, it didn't take very long because I said to him that if he did that, he he mustn't think that nurses weren't going to all walk out. They will. I said, you wouldn't have thought that they were going to do what they're doing now. They're going to walk out of intensive care, coronary care, an emergency and everywhere else, and it'll be your fault. Yeah, but the and reason the reason the government attacked you is because you're a union of women, and the Labor government here, were, I think, led by Steve Crabb. Oh, Steve uh, Crabb time, was appalling. Yes, he yes. just re- they just refused to give in to a union that yes. was um, women that was yes. uh, mainly made yes. up of women. Yes. yes, it's a problem, isn't it? Yeah. It was a big it, problem. It hasn't gone away yet. I look forward to that book. Mm. Maybe I've got a title for it. I'll take you in a minute. Oh, okay. Anyway, some of the good news. The Emirates yes. Melbourne Cup has once again come under fire for its lack of humanity after mining magnet and Australia's richest woman, Gina <laughs> Reinhardt, <laughs> fell down during the race and sub- subsequently oh. had to be euthanised. What a pity she wasn't. Yeah, reports up, say man. that <laughs> Mrs Reinhardt forced herself to stand in the immediate ma- aftermath of the fall, but her injury and discomfort were obvious and stewards were forced to bring in the curtains. And guess who was there when she fell over? Yes. The Hamburglar herself. Yes, and, and she... Sophie Mirabella. Uh, I said she was the front head loader picking up. <laughs> That's right. They, they couldn't up. get a forklift in. No, no, she was the front head loader. So they she shot had her. this. Did you notice she was in the black and white striped tent with the garden on her head? Hand, Le- the bending hand over. As, yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and good. don't don't ring in and complain, please, no. because uh, they deserve everything they get. Yeah, and we're too busy answering uh, other phone calls afterwards of people who are complaining. So it's (laughs) 9.58 on a Friday morning. You'll be listening to Left After Breakfast, presented by Susan Duffy and Irene Bolger and me, of which we have a very small uh, part in the program. So let's go out in the same old way. Why not? Dare to struggle. Dare to win. If you don't fight, you lose. Good morning from Left After Breakfast. goes too fast. (laughs) 